Hey guys, welcome to the Welding Business Owners Podcast. Today we've got the fourth and final episode with Adam from Maker Table. I really enjoyed this one, and you guys better get your notepads out for it. If you haven't checked out his stuff yet, check him out at Maker Table on Instagram. He's got some YouTube videos up. Check him out on there, Maker Table also. Check us out, Welding Business Owners Podcast, and be sure to leave us some feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, whatever. Go in there, give us a five stars, give us a thumbs up, however they let you say, hey, we're doing a good job. So um, send us some messages. I appreciate all you guys for reaching out to us. I think I'm going to start reading some of your guys' messages and um, giving some shout outs. So uh, keep them coming. I really appreciate them. So without further ado, check out the episode. In my head, what I would love to do is have like the full fab shop and then like, you know, another shot, like a smaller shop off to the side. That's just like my laboratory where I get yeah. to build cool stuff. I can walk through the doors. I can go use the plasma table. I can make anything I want and I bring it back into my area. It's clean. Nobody talks to me. I can blast the music. I can listen to my podcast. I can listen to my audiobooks. I got all the tools that. So like in our shop right now, the tools are, it's the same situation. I, I have all the clamps. I have all the tools. We do require people to have their own tools. Um, it's a pretty basic set, but um, when I don't put something back, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, hey, uh, I need a half inch deep well socket. All right, here you go. Cause I was using it, you know? Yep. Um, I think that's every every business owner's dream just to just to be able to go build cool stuff on their own, you know. Definitely, I mean, at least people that are in in this kind of trade. Yeah, you know, I'm sure uh, people that code for a living, I don't know, just want to play video games or something. I don't know what they want to do. Go sit on a beach and drink mimosas. That sounds. Well, I lived in the Virgin Islands for two years. I did that. It's not as much fun as it sounds. It's great for the first like six months, but after six months, you're like, man. This kind of sucks. <laughs> Dude, six days in, I'm like, yeah, all right, vacation's over. When are we getting back to it? Like, well, I, I can't shut my brain off. My brain does not turn off. And I'll be driving down the road and with family and everything. And my, as I, I'm still present with them a lot, like, like with them and like in the conversations, but like, man, I'll, see a squirrel run by and be like oh well look at that railing well what if we do this and that blah 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 my mind just like i just can't shut my mind off yeah you need an outlet i definitely know that feeling yeah so idle mind is not a happy mind for me (laughs) i don't think for anybody really you know like the it's, it's such a dichotomy like the only time you're getting smarter is when you feel stupid you know if you're feeling smart you're not learning anything new it's like you got to feel dumb Mm-hmm. And like the only time you're getting better as a fabricator is when you screw something up and you figure out how to fix it. That's where you like pick up a new skill or you're forced to go learn that new welding process or that new finishing process or get that tool you didn't even know existed by asking dumb questions to somebody that, that already does it, you know? So I think we need that struggle as humans in order to feel gratified. And I see so many people trying to run away from the struggle. And I, like I long time ago, just decided I need to run towards it. Like I need to, I need to put myself, paint myself into corners that I have to work my way out of. And that's the only way I'm going to grow is by like, by this schedule I'm on right now, this like six ten super aggressive 
this like forced me to hire and train a PM. And I probably would have kept PMing myself and bidding the jobs and running the company all, all myself if the schedule wasn't so aggressive. But as soon as I like got all these jobs and won all these bids in the same frame of time, I realized I have to change. I have to become something else, you know? And that's where I grow and, and figure out the next thing. So, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself in a hole because uh, the digging might be where you get strong enough to, to you know, win the next battle. Um, if you were to do it all over again, what is something that you would change? I would buy a plasma table from a company <laughs> and get a loan. But the reason I didn't get a loan is because I didn't know I was going to be successful. And I thought, I don't want to have this payment for a plasma table that I'm not using while I'm out ironworking and making my house payment. And I would hate that table. So like, I would only, I would only do that if I knew the outcome was going to be what it was, you know, but given the same risk and same knowledge, like I would have built the plasma table again, but mm -hmm. definitely if you have a, a going concern, a business has already has some revenue or you have an idea that you're really confident in, just go buy a plasma table with a loan, get one that works with good support from a company that's gonna be around for a long time and has been around, that's gonna help you get it going again. Cause that was like a huge stumbling block. The first, you know, six months to a year of the business was relying and selling a product that had to be plasma cut and then not having a machine that was reliable. That caused so much heartache yeah. and stress. Yeah. I feel you on that one. <clears throat> Tell me about Hero Machine Company. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, um, I really want to sell. How did that start? Yeah. How did that start? Like, it, it was up and going before the pandemic. And then I know you were having trouble with, you know, getting support from, from China. So give me a little bit behind, um, behind the, the, the whole idea with it where it is where you want to go with it because it, it was super interesting just the journey of it to me yeah really it happened because shop saber pissed me off <laughs> so i ended up buying a shop saber table and they're a good company they make a solid product there's really nothing wrong with their table they fully support it they stand behind it where i got felt burnt was i was doing a lot of social media stuff at the time a lot of youtube and a lot of promotion basically for shop saber. And I was literally selling tables for them through my DM. I had people that were asking me, what table do I buy? I was helping uh, other shop saber owners troubleshoot their, their own tables and get them running, uh, helping train people on the cam software, how to convert from Inkscape to uh, cam to the table. And I was doing all this work that was benefiting shop saber. And they have a referral program where if you like uh, if you refer people and, and sell a table, they'll pay you 500 bucks. And so I was like, Hey, like, what can I get into that referral program? Like, can I send you, you know, can I get paid for helping you guys sell tables? And, you know, they like kind of looked at it for a little bit and I sent them all these messages and stuff of people that I know had bought shop savers after I talked them into it and told them why it was better than all the other tables, because of all my experience in building my first table and running one of theirs with uh, a company that was cutting eight hours a day, five to seven days a week. Like I was using the hell out of the table and was a great rep, I felt like, and totally selling tables. And 
basically the owner of the company like called me a huckster and like I was trying to hustle them. And like, I thought that my social media thing was so, was such a big deal that um, I was selling tables for them and helping them out. And like, he felt like I was like trying to hustle them out of this money. And I'm like, you guys already have a program for this. Like, and I'm just trying to get paid for people that like, I've actually talked to, I can send you the message chain. Like, I'm not like saying everybody that buys a shop saver is getting one for me, you know? Um, so at that point we were really trying to figure out how to get a laser and, uh, talked to my accountant and, you know, told him, Hey, in the next couple of years, I want to buy a laser. And he like looked at our finances. He goes, man, you can buy a laser right now. And he walked me across the street to the bank um, and introduced me to the loan officer. And was like, hey, this guy's a, a businessman. He's a mover. He's the real deal. And you want to give him money. So figure out how to get him a laser. So I got the financing together and started shopping and realized that a lot of this equipment being sold, like uh, Laguna and Piranha, they make, uh, well, they, you know, quote unquote, make lasers and a lot of other stuff and sell it and CNC wood routers and whatnot. So I started doing some digging and actually found their suppliers in China that were making their lasers, plasma tables, um, even the iron worker, the Piranha iron worker. Um, I found who's making a lot of Bailey's uh, CNC press breaks over there. Um, a lot of these tools from Grizzly, Bailey, Laguna and Piranha, I found where they were getting produced in China. So I flew over there and met the, the owners of the companies over there and started to set up a supply chain. So a little background, my family used to have a trademark in South Korea, and I used to fly over there for a, a food show and an audit once a year. And I'd go to Guam, Saipan, Japan, and South Korea every year and manage this trademark and some international supply chain stuff. So I have some experience in doing that and didn't feel out of my depth and going over there, I kind of know the moves and how it's done. So I went over there and, you know, kind of did a informal audit of the company. And then I had a friend of mine actually at Fabtech send me video inside the, the cases. Cause you know, China, they can, they can lie to you too and tell you there's something they're not. And had somebody uh, go through a lot of the hardware components at Fabtech of all these suppliers that were showing there and send me video of their, their boards and their wiring harnesses and actually match the two up to be completely identical. I mean, the same PLC controllers, the same barcodes on the board, the exact same wiring diagram and sequence. So I was really confident that I found these suppliers. So went ahead and ordered two plasma tables, two fiber markers and the three kilowatt fiber laser and had them all shipped out here to us. And we put them together and we were supposed to have part of this deal was we were going to have engineers from China fly out and help install all these for two weeks and do training on site. But as soon as we got the uh, laser and that whole shipment, the end of what was that 2019. And at that point, they'd already had in November 2019 in China, they already had kind of the Wuhan breakout, I think something like that. So China started getting locked down and we had some issues with power and, you know, anyways, that was a whole learning curve, definitely. But the gist of it is we lost all of our support. I couldn't get a hold of the engineers. They were, um, the engineer we were working with was literally 
locked in their apartment complex. There's a gate at the front of their apartment complex and they welded it shut wow. and wouldn't let anybody out. Um, they shut down the whole entire city. And I'm talking a city of millions and millions of people. They just shut down for like a month or two. Um, Cause basically what happened is when the, the lockdowns happen is was during about this time, it was like lunar new year. So everybody goes home for new year. They have all these like holidays where everybody gets off of work. It's like a government state holiday. And they all go visit their families, which are usually like live in rural places and they work in the city. So everybody had gone out to their families and then they got locked down. They weren't able to even travel back to their home in the city. So they couldn't even get to work. There was no remoting in at the time. And you couldn't actually fly from China to the United States. We had the, the I don't know what travel it's called. Band. Yeah, the travel ban. There you go. So we got finally by... March or April, and we've had the laser sitting in our shop for like three or four months at this point. I'm paying the bank for it every month, and it's not cutting a damn thing. So I'm I'm stressed out, and I'm calling them and messaging them, and there's only so much they could do. So eventually, they got an American citizen to fly out of China, go to the Philippines, wait there for the two-week quarantine, and then fly into the United States to help us kind of work with... Actually, his wife is a Chinese citizen that could translate between him and one of the engineers at the shop. So that's how we got our laser running was through a salesman that didn't know anything. He actually installed the fiber wrong and cost us $10,000 a little bit later down the road. Um, so it was, it was an expensive learning curve. So with all that going on, I was like, all right, I just have to like put the kibosh on this. I mean, I had t-shirts, I had point of sale material. I had a website designed. I had the pricing structure for uh, plasma tables and lasers and fiber markers. I mean, I was like going hard on this, on this new venture and started the Instagram account and even shot a YouTube video. Actually, I shot three videos and only one of them made it on YouTube because the, the project at that point was just had to get shut down. I even um, was talking to uh, Jimmy Diresta at the time. He was getting, uh, he was unhappy with, uh, well, I don't know if he was unhappy. I, I can't say that, but um, his contract with Torchmate was up for those plasma tables. And so I was trying to get a Hero Machine Co. plasma table in his shop and um, was flying out to Fabtech to go meet him and talk to him and pitch him the idea. So it didn't get far down the road. I don't want to misrepresent or anything. He's an awesome guy and I'd, I'd hate to piss him off, but um, I was going to pitch him on being his new plasma table. And uh, there was a huge snowstorm in Nashville and couldn't get out of the airport. So yeah, it was just like, that didn't work out. The coronavirus thing shut down the engineers in China. That didn't work out. So I just put the project on hold and then started studying for my contractor's license by that summer and decided to go into contracting because that was a sure thing. And I finally got the insurance. So got my contracting license and I've been going hard on that instead. So I don't have the bandwidth to do both. It was either, you know, Hero Machine Co. is what I want to do. I really want to be the next Bailey Industrial because I see, I see the path, man. It's just like, oh, it's so clear how to get this stuff done, rebrand it. And then the big deal that nobody does is they don't support it here locally. Like even Bailey or Grizzly, they'll just like send you some crap parts or they they'll be like, Oh, we're not, we're not the manufacturer. We don't, you know, we don't have that part and they'll kind of ghost you. And, 
and not give you great support for their, their products that they sell. So I see if I could build a real support network with parts on the shelf, like the PLCs, the drive motors, the hydraulic rams, the fiber optic cables, and get that stuff here domestically and hold an inventory and be able to quick ship and support and have an American person pick up the phone that understands that equipment and knows how to use it and why you need it to do that thing. Because I have a metal shop too, that there is a huge business opportunity there. And I would love to be that guy. So I just, I have to get contracting organized enough. And really you still have to submit an anal swab for a coronavirus test to get into China. And part of managing an international supply chain is you have to let them know that you are willing to get on a plane and go over there and walk in the door and start handling some shit. Because if they think that you're just a phone jockey and you're not going to come over there, there's all kinds of stuff they can do to screw you over and mess with your product and steal from you. Um, so if I can't go to China on a moment's notice, I'm not going to have a business where I rely on Chinese manufacturers because I am willing to go over there and walk in their front door and start barking and getting what I need done and having it, having it built right. So, I mean, I literally, I welded together one of their, uh, the frames for the lasers, um, bent some of the sheet metal for the, you know, the cabinets and, that hold all the components, uh, met the woman that does all the wiring harnesses and like started trying to build relationships with all these people. Cause that's what it takes is you kind of have to have one foot in China and one foot in the United States in order to make it work. So I, I'd love to start doing that groundwork again, but have to be able to travel over there yeah, to do yeah, it the way I want to do it, where I know it can be successful. That's awesome. Um, so I saw you got the Bailey finger break and I'm actually kind of in the market for something like that. Um, we can edit this out if you don't, if, if, if you've got some, some negative stuff to say, but tell me about that, uh, that press break you got. Oh, I don't care. I'll bag on Bailey. Uh, <laughs> like, seriously, I'm not sponsored by anybody. I stopped chasing that sponsorship money mm -hmm. a long time ago on Instagram and YouTube. Um, I did some stuff with, uh, you know, boot companies, with tool companies, with clothing company. Um, and the return on investment there is trash guys. Like they are manipulating the maker community to sell their stuff for nothing basically. So I, uh, I'm not sponsored. I'm not promoted by anybody. And I will tell you exactly what I think. Um, the best piece of equipment I ever got from Bailey was this, uh, bandsaw, this mitering bandsaw. That sucker's a bad mamma jamma. I traded it for another tool, uh, Bentec dragon at one point that I don't have anymore because it doesn't cut square tube guys. It does not cut square tube. They say it does. It does not. It cuts round. Awesome. If you're doing round stuff, roll cages, it's a bad, bad mofo. But if you want to do square stuff like I do for handrails and pickets, it's not the thing you need. Um, but the CNC press break I have from Bailey, that's one where the back gauge isn't totally accurate. It changed, it moves on you throughout the day. Like within 20, 30 minutes, you'll have it all set up, dialed, and then one part, you'll just chunk and it's off, you know, it, it it's all it's not very much. So if you're not doing really tight tolerance stuff, but I was trying to chase uh, work for a local machine shop where they have like a tolerance of, uh, you know, a couple thousands and it's possible to do with a, a CNC press break and fusion 360, you can laser cut and 
get that stuff. I mean, amazingly accurate. It is possible, but not with that, uh, that cheap. It's the cheapest CNC press break available is what it is. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is what it is. So it's not super repeatable. Um, but, you know, it has expanded our, our capabilities, but we don't really use the back gauge at all. And then really, I, I kind of understand that the, the back gauge is run off of servo motors, which should be super accurate um, and not have any issues. But the ram coming up and down is hydraulic. So as the hydraulic fluid warms up, that can be the reason why our bends aren't exactly 90 as the fluid warms up through the day is what I've learned. So I can't totally say that the, the ram is intrinsically a Bailey issue. It could just be because of the hydraulics changing as they, they warm up and get cycled through, but definitely the back gauge is not reliable. So we, you know, we scribe lines and lay the stuff out and we still get great bends out of it, but we don't use that back gauge. Hmm. Would you buy it again? Yeah. For the price, there's nothing else that touches it. I mean, everything else is, I think twice the cost. So until you have enough business, like I, like everything I buy has to pay for itself. You know, I don't buy tools that I just, well, I did buy a forge and an anvil, but those are never going to pay for themselves, but that's literally it in the shop. Everything else in the shop was bought on. Can it's this thing pay for itself in a year? Yes or no. So that's, that's my question. Is that your test is if it can pay for itself in a year? Yep. That's it. Nice. So if I can pay this thing off in a year or less, buy it right now. Get it. You need it. I love it. Um, well, I've got to stop in about 30 minutes. Do you have anything for me or anything else you want to talk about? Because uh, we ran through all the questions and you kind of answered the ones I didn't ask. So um, I'm pretty good, dude. I've actually got to pee. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I've got to go hard on Amazon because I got to figure out how to fix um, the retail side of our business. And Amazon's where we're the least represented. So I've been working on that for the last, uh, this would be seven days straight, um, just studying Amazon and how to make competitive listings with the products that we already have. So that's awesome. what I'm kind of itching to go do is beat myself up and feel really stupid making bad Amazon listings until one comes out good. <laughs> well, good luck with it, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, totally. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, always fun to do these. Are you going to Fab Tech this year? I don't know. Uh, just maybe. I'll, I'll decide like the week of. <laughs> you know, I got family up there I can stay with for free, so I don't have to like work out a hotel or anything. It's one of those where I can just jam up there and go to the show and have somewhere to crash, and I don't have to do much planning. Nice. Um, cause like I've got contract stuff and like I said, at the beginning, they own me until the job's done yeah, and yeah. they hold those big checks mm-hmm. out in front of you as the carrot. <laughs> it's pretty tasty to go for, Yep. but I'd love to, I mean, yeah. And I also got a little disillusioned after the hero machine co thing. Like I want to go to fab tech to research the competition but if I can't chase that, like, I already know what equipment I want. You know, I want 150 ton servo driven press brake next. And I don't have the power to hook it up. Mm. So I've got a rotary screw compressor that I can't plug in. 
and I've got a labor saver with a dust collector that I can't plug in and the exhaust fan on my powder coat spray booth. I can't plug in either because I'm out of power. So <laughs> I, I, I don't even need to go to Fabtech because I literally can't buy anything else until my building's done because I can't plug it in. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, um, go work on your Amazon stuff. I appreciate you taking the time. Definitely, dude. Have a good one. All right. See you, buddy. Later. Well, thanks for listening to the episode, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it. If you haven't checked us out, find us on Instagram at Welding Business Owners Podcast. Reach out to us there. We, I appreciate all your messages. Leave us a five-star review on wherever you're listening. You can check out Adam and all his stuff over at Maker Table on Instagram and YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because we've got Andrew Petty from Petty's Welding coming up in two weeks. It was great sitting down with him. We've got a couple episodes coming up. So make sure to mark your calendars. For better yet, hit that subscribe button and we'll see you then.